Hello, good evening, and welcome to Comics Pop, the imprint of Deep V's for Vendetta, where we talk about comics book comic books. That's right. There is a new podcast brand uh, over at StuffPop.com that is Deep V's for Vendetta, the show where we talk about societal turning points. And uh, Comics Pop is now going to fit under that umbrella, I guess. Um, and today I am, well, I'm your host, Shmita Shmash, and today I'm joined by co-host Wordna Locom. Wordna, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Josh. How are you? How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. There's, uh, I'm excited to talk about comic books again. It's been a... Uh, I guess a year and a half, maybe a little more, since there's been a uh, new recording for Comics Pop. Is that right? Sound right? Oh, it's been a while. I, I want to say the the last episode I recorded with Justin was um, the end of October, Halloween week, maybe Halloween day. No, couldn't be that day. Whatever, Halloween week, uh, 2018. Um, so that's that's about a year and a half. It's uh, May 6, 2020, right now, and. For historical reference, we're in the middle of the big coronavirus lockdown event, um, you know, for anyone who may have forgotten about that in the future. I mean, how, how is your, your quarantine life going right now? The work from home, the drinking before noon, the, uh, you know, whatever else may be going on in your life. You know, to be completely honest with you, it's not much, not, not a lot different for me. <laughs> I've, I've worked from home since December, so, you know, I barely leave the house as, as it is. So, you know, this was not really a big change. I go get, go get my morning coffee every morning and, you know, do my work most of the day and go to bed. It's not, it's really not any different. Uh, I mean, that's, that's nice. That sounds like a nice life. And that's going outside more than I've got more than I've gone outside today. Ever since I got a pull up rack in my apartment, I just <laughs> work out in here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's not that different for me um, either because, uh, I was working at like a effectively a remote office anyways. So um, working remote doesn't change like, you know, interactions with coworkers and uh, anything like that. So, um, you know, it's working out fine. I just don't have to commute every day. Uh, okay, but let's get on with the whole comics book, the comic books thing. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Amory War, the Amory Wars, the second stage turbine blade volume. One. God damn, what is it? What is it, this stupid name? Why did they name it this? Oh. I hear it called the know? Armory Wars a lot. <laughs> but are you asking where where Amory comes from, or well, no, just the, whole... like the, the second stage Turbine Blade Volume One? Where, what is that? Or second stage Turbine Blade? What, what does that mean? Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah, I think to get there, like you have to understand that Coheating. So, I mean, this is all based off of the the music of Coheating Cambria, um, who's you know one of my favorite bands of all time, but. At the same time, I know that they suck in a lot of ways, and I'm definitely okay with making fun of them for the reasons that they suck. And I love uh, giving people, all the huge mega fans on the forums, shit about how they uh, fillet this band so much. <laughs> but at the same time, I do enjoy the music. Um, Wait, when was this band big? The early 2000s? People talk about them on forums? Well, huh. I, I guess like Facebook and... You know, oh, okay. Reddit. Excuse me. Um, Just making fun of the whole forum culture that's been uh, you know, a little bit superseded by Facebook Reddit for the last uh, 10 years. Yeah, boomer speak. Um, <laughs> no, they, I would say they, they probably peaked around, uh, I don't know, 2008 or so. Okay. Um, did you ever play the game Rock Band? At friends' houses. I never, I never owned it. I think it was the first rock band game. They had a song in there. Um, it might it actually it might have been Guitar Hero, but um, they had the song "Welcome Home," which is probably their biggest hit. Um, that was in that, and that's one of those like I would play it, but I don't want to get <laughs> this removed from from iTunes or whatever. But you know the uh, uh, it's a very distinct sound to the song. Um, but the fans actually hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, what was that? I listened to a little bit of. That podcast sent me a link to your favorite band sucks uh, about Cody and Cambria. I listened to like half that episode, and I remember them just uh, kind of shitting on that, the, the the or making fun of the rock band appearance of the song. Yeah, so you know the thing if if you listen to their first album, which you know this volume one is based is the second stage Turbine Blade, which is was the name of their first album. Um, it's very clear that their music styling it's it's artistic. It's almost like abstract art. Um, but it's really just a lot of alphabet soup. Like it's, they're just saying words that like sound cool together. And 
Um, it kind of can almost feel like a story at some points, but it, like it's clearly when they made it, clearly they didn't have like a fully coherent thought when they did it. Like, yeah, you know, there's I was, a lot of words. So I listened through the album the other day, just a little bit more in the background while I was, uh, while I was working. And um, I, I threw up the lyrics for a couple songs and like there, there's a description of what the song was supposed to be about and how it parallels perfectly with the comic and this this story that I, I read on paper. And then I read the lyrics. I was like, oh, huh, huh, okay, huh, okay, there's um, definitely something going on here, right? Yeah, and if you look at the track names, it all, pretty much all of them line up with something that's in the comic. Um, but, you know, the more that I've read this comic and because... This, I, I would say that this was probably the first comic that I ever got besides like, you know, the free comic book day ones that I would get as a kid. Um, and I've had this for years and I didn't really get into reading comic books until more recently. But this I, I'd probably read uh, just as much as any other comic book that I've read. But, um, you know, at first I really hated it <laughs> because I was like, well, that like doesn't make any sense at all it doesn't like it doesn't seem like that's what they're talking about in the song at all um which it's like it's very clear that the whole thing was really just retconned and they like they try to retrofit a comic book and it's not like on second reading you know it's not terrible but like you know it's very clear that this comic book story the the story that's in this comic is not what what they were trying to portray when they wrote the song uh, cl clearly, you don't have respect for the vision of the Coed and Cambria, Coed and Cambria, uh, Amory Wars universe, and the the vision, the the uh, the genius, the depth that is behind it. Um, but but uh, let's put a pin in that for now, and let's let's talk a little bit more um, about what you were just saying. Your your introduction to comic books. So th this, uh, in in conjunction with the Coed and Cambria music, is kind of. Uh, sounds like it was a bit of your introduction into uh, reading comics informally, and in, you've been reading some more uh, lately as of the last few years. Um, tell me a little bit about your your background, what sort of things you like, uh, what you know, what really has drawn you to comics in the uh, recent history. Yeah, so I mean, if I could, like, like I said, when I was a kid, you know, I would get I'd go to Free Comics Book Day in Free Comics Book. Yeah. That's a tongue twister. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, no, I said that too. Like, the, the, oh god, free comic books day. Comic, is it comics book or comic book? Just comic book. Wow, <laughs> wow. What the fuck happened to grammar today? Oh god. My um, my sorry, older sister would, would take me there when I was a kid, and we go down to the local comic book shop, and uh, you know, we would get stuff like Public Enemy, the comic book, and Chuck Norris, the comic book, and like, you know, all of these like obscure things that like, came out in the nineties, and like, um. You know, I would, covers. yeah, I would skim, I would page through them every now and again. I wouldn't say that I was really into it. Um, but, you know, then I got these Coheed and Cambria Amory Wars comic books, you know, when I was a little bit older and I started to get into the band. Um, I just never really got into the format when I was younger. And more recently, and, you know, of course, I know you and, uh, and Justin and everybody else that's uh, been a part of this. Um, through the dick show and you know we uh we did the cabin trip together and you know all that and, and i got turned on to starting to listen to comics pop and i listened to some of the episodes some of the like the one you did with the stereos and uh some of the ones you did with justin and um i think that you have a really good way of uh conveying it that maybe i just i didn't really understand it's just like i when i was younger i didn't really read that much at all and now as an adult, I've got a shelf full of books and like, you know, my taste has kind of evolved. Um, Bring but... the magic of comics alive through the audio format that is podcasts, uh, reimagining comics for a new generation. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that I, I would have ever listened to like a comic book podcast had I not known you guys through the dick show. Um, but I enjoy the show and I'm, I'm actually really happy to be a part of it. Um, but uh yeah, it was just you and Justin talking about comic books, and I was I got into reading like Lock and Key and The Boys, and you know, um, very good choices. Yeah, it uh, so that kind of broadened my taste. So I've been buying more lately. I, I got um, some of the old Green Lantern comics uh, from Jeff Johns, uh, nice, the Doomsday nice. Clock, um, and I'm just kind of making my way through a lot of those 
Um, I read some of the, the Star Wars ones because, you know, I've been a Star Wars fan since since I was a little kid. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of trying still trying to figure out, like, you know, who are the writers that I like and, you know, what type of comics that I enjoy. Um, I would say that so far, I, I think my favorite probably would be um, either The Boys or Lock and Key. Lock and Key, I just burned through, like, uh, the entire thing that they had on uh, Comixology, I burned through pretty quick. Yeah, so did so did I. I remember um, back, I guess last time I was recording episodes of this back in October 2018. Justin Justin got me into it, and uh, in the preparation for having our Halloween special, the Lock and Key, and I was I was uh, ravenous for it. And it's it's a great story. And I also want to ask you what what do you think about the uh, the recent um, Netflix and Amazon Prime adaptations of Lock and Key and the Boys? Have Have you watched either of them or gone into either of them? Yeah, I've watched, so I've watched both of them. Um, I loved the Amazon adaptation of The Boys. But that was before I had actually read The Boys, too. And with Lock and Key, um, and now I, I think I'm, I'm through volume two now on The Boys. I'm not that, not that far, but... Um, I think that's all I read, like two or three volumes. Yeah, with Lock and Key, I'm all the way up to whatever the highest one they have on Comixology is. Um, I think it's six, maybe. Um, I think six was the whole series. Um, I don't know if they have the whole series on there now, but uh, I think when I read it, they only had four on Unlimited. Whatever. Sorry, continue. So I already had kind of had high expectations going into that, and it just didn't meet any of those expectations. Like, I really thought that Netflix shit the bed with Lock and Key. Yeah, I uh, okay. I only watched one episode. I, I think it's just one. One or two episodes, and uh, it, it just didn't, didn't capture me. Uh, so I, I will agree there. I think Justin put it best in the chat was that, um, you know, all they had to do really was take each volume and then make each volume its own season and just pace it out a lot more appropriately. But what they did instead was like they tried to cram so much like the entire series into like or like it was at least the first four volumes. They tried to cram into just one season and there was like maybe only eight episodes and it just it didn't work like they were just rushing the whole thing and they were trying to make it something that it wasn't. And then, you know, they're doing the shit that they always do where they try to cram all these like diversity characters in there. Like, <laughs> you know, we need extra gay characters and like uh, more black characters and like, but it didn't make any sense because they're like, it's a very diverse comic as it is. So like, yeah, that, yeah. they didn't need to do that. They actually erased other characters that were pretty diverse. <laughs> you know, they, they uh, checked the wrong boxes as it were. I don't know. Yeah, well, Netflix like is um, notorious for that. See, so you had the character. There was the there was the British guy, um, the boyfriend, and then he had a black friend. And they get into this whole thing about like being black as they're drowning at one point, and like, um, you know, it's like it hits all the social justice check marks in the original comic. And it would have been more appropriate had they just left it alone. But for some reason, they thought it was cooler to just smash the two of them into one character. Huh. Yeah, I'll, that's that's weird. That's um, I don't know. It they should the bed for that series. However, uh, I will say Netflix has a bunch more comic book adaptations coming up that I'm excited for. Uh, one notably, um, did you did you listen to the episode Justin and I recorded on uh the the Magic Order by uh Mark Miller, the guy who did um, uh, Kick Ass. I I did, but it's it's been a while. I probably listened to it whenever it came out. So okay, I, that, I, that's I probably... yeah. You, you don't need to remember the details, but but effectively uh. The Mark Miller, um, I believe he sold the rights or some some licensing deal or something through Netflix uh, to where they, they own the Millerverse, and um, they're going to have an adaptation of uh, the Magic Order coming up either this this year or next year. Um, I don't know what the production delays are going to be with uh, the whole coronavirus thing. And uh, also recently, uh, Boom Studios, um, uh, the Boom comic publishers, they they uh, were able to make a big deal with Netflix, and there are going to be a bunch of their series in um, in in production for netflix series uh some animated some live action i know they have a uh, animated um nimona uh by noel stevenson some some version of uh, uh lumberjanes um some version of uh i think once in future is that what it's called i'll just go with the series it's called i get it mixed up with some other uh idiom but um they, they have a bunch of stuff coming up that, that i'm excited for because i follow a bunch of boom comics um, so hopefully, hopefully Netflix, uh, and I have a bit more confidence with the magic order because say, uh, kick-ass has already been good move has already had good movie adaptations. So something else by Mark Miller, hopefully will also be good. 
Okay. So is are is there anything else in your your uh, comic book journey coming up to today that uh, is important or that you want to bring up? Oh, I do have um, My Hero Magadamia. Actually, might be my favorite comic. Oh, <laughs> I'm gosh. looking at yes. it. It's at eye level. Yes. Um, but hopefully, um, maybe we could get on in, in the future and do a, a review of that or one of the other uh, comics that comes out in the series. But they're just they're so limited right now. You can't even buy them. Um, There's I was a, lucky I, to I, get this one. Yeah, I found uh, copies of um, My Hero Academia online. I'm not sure. What, what was the other one you sent me a link to? So something else in like the, the Magaverse. Um... Oh, they got a whole bunch of them. There's one. Uh, there was a Space Force comic. That was um, it. was the Space Force one. But that was an Indiegogo like independent one that uh, I, I don't think I'd be able to find a copy of online. Um, whereas uh, My Hero Academia, I believe that was published by Antarctic, Antarctic Press and um, has, has a, is a bit more readily distributed or available. Yeah, volume one you can you can go online and buy right now, I believe. Um, but nice or issue one rather, I should say. Um, mm. But mm -hmm. issue two you cannot; uh, it's all sold out. And I couldn't find it on eBay or anything. Maybe you can get it at comic book shops. It's been years since I've ever set, stepped foot in a comic book shop. So. <laughs> yeah, I've. Uh, it's been a while for me too, actually. And um, I think the last thing I bought in a comic book shop was uh, the. Batman number 1000 or the sorry Detective Comics number 1000 which was a year ago maybe a little over a year ago whatever but um but speaking of comic book shops there's a little bit of comic book news comic book industry news that I wanted to talk about and um I, I think I've I've talked over uh, quite a bit of it with you over the last uh, week or two and I think you're decently familiar with some of the um uh, some some of the key events and players but um yeah speaking of comic book shops uh one most of them aren't open right now because of the coronavirus event uh, and lockdown and whatnot. Um, the ones that are, uh, they're doing like curbside pickup and stuff like that. But they're not getting new comics because uh, Diamond Comic Distributors, uh, the, the, um, the actual monopoly of dis distribution in the comic book industry, has shut down from, uh, I believe in the U.S., what was it? I was looking and they, they made their announcement on March 23rd. Uh, so no new comics as of April 1st, and uh, they're currently planning on reopening in two weeks for having new comics ready for May 20th. Um, so that's, uh, was that, seven weeks? Seven weeks of no new comics at shops. Jeez. Um, yeah, and uh, so and I was just listening earlier to, um, so there's a, uh, a guy, I think, uh, what was his name, David Sheehan or something? A comic book retailer who also runs a YouTube channel, um, uh, Dan Sheehan, Dan that's it. Uh, <laughs> comic book retailer owns a YouTube channel, or has a YouTube channel, uh, and he does some comic news and whatnot. And recently he's had on Steve Jeppe, the, the founder and uh, the, the founder and CEO of Diamond Comic Distributors. And um, he's had on him as well as other comic retailers, and uh, today he had on some comic publishers, including... Um, like the the you know founder founders and owners of um, Boom and Dark Horse and there was there were some other people uh, but what was it Gary Groth from Fantagraphics Fantagraphics books yeah that that's that's apparently some small publisher I'm not I'm not familiar with them personally but uh, he he was calling out some very important things uh, that uh, of of course or some very important things that we can't just project sales coming out of this or like you know it's uh, it's gonna be gradual uptick of actually having revenue um once comic book shops are back open and they have comics again uh not to mention that a lot of these stores run at very low margin um and Josh, having... apparently you were not told that uh comic books <laughs> are non-essential oh my goodness gracious uh i guess not yeah so I, i've been following a lot of this news through um uh diversity in comics i guess he goes by what comics matter with your boy zach um Okay. Now, uh, are, are you familiar with uh, this this individual? Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of him. Um, his name comes up every now and again. Yeah, so he's he's kind of one of the key players behind Comicsgate, which uh, we don't have to we don't have to get into right now. Um, but he's does a bunch of YouTube videos, uh, commentary on comic books, comic book industries, and he's he's run a bunch of Indiegogos where he writes he writes comic books and has had a lot of success there. Um, I was trying to see if I could find the. He titled a video recently uh, that was doo, 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 comics. Oh God, that was it. The the uh, Steve Jeppe, the guy behind Diamond Comic Distributors, 
he had a line, uh, comics can wait. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all to me that, yeah, comics are not essential. Uh, you know, these businesses, comic book retailers may shut down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think I'm going on about this a bit too long. So I'll just say that, uh, big developments, May 20th is the, the, uh, the target date for Diamond to continue go back to distributing and uh, recently DC Comics broke their contract to have other distributors and as of last week I believe they have been distributing new comics and this week I think they had a bit more of a full list um, going last week kind of was kind of a trial but uh, big disruptions in the comic book industry we don't know what the, the future of physical print comics will be going forward both DC and Marvel have had some digital exclusive re digital exclusives and digital exclusive lines recently um, so there may be a big push for that and uh, possibly having digital comics uh, available, you know, exclusively or before uh, or whatever, um, separate from print comics, which is uh, apparently not a thing right now. Um, okay, so that's the industry right now. Um, unless you've heard anything that I haven't been following because I haven't really been following things in that much depth. No, I, I just can't get over how fucking stupid this uh, non-essential bullshit is. Like, it's, it's very reminiscent of during the Obama administration when like, you know, they had um, the, sh the government shutdowns and they started just going to national parks and like putting up fences to just make it seem like things were worse than they are. Yeah, didn't they do that like a year and a half ago? What was it a year and a half ago when they had the um, uh, the, the other gov government shutdown under Trump? Did they do that again with gov uh, national parks? Not not when Trump was in office. That oh, no? I know okay. Of. But um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, this they they took it to a whole nother level because now they made it about your health. Yeah, really, and we can we can talk about the coronavirus another time and the the whole um, uh, political um, media sensation behind it. Uh, but it has impacted quite a few things uh, as well as the, the seemingly arbitrary label of essential and non-essential businesses and workers. On to more important things like like the Monstar virus. Yes, onto more important things like the monster virus and the sin star virus that you pass on to your children. Let's talk about the Amory Wars second stage turbine blade, volume one. <laughs> can, can you uh, can you lead us into a little bit of what the background to the universe is, what the story is, how how it parallels the songs, um, stuff like that. Yeah, so I I feel like a lot of the parallels are contrived, to be honest. Like especially in volume one. And I have some of the other volumes, so, you know, it does get a little bit better at some points. Um, but some of them, it's just like they really, they really had to shoehorn it into the plot. And it just, <laughs> but I don't know, there's, there's stuff about the universe that is really actually pretty cool. You know, it takes place, um, I believe it's called Heaven's, Heaven's Gate or Heaven's, sorry, I'm having a blank yeah, here. That's fine. It, there are a bunch of different worlds. Heaven's Fence. I'm Heaven's sorry. Fence. That's it. That's why uh, the fans, they call themselves the children of the fence. Um, they do? Oh, my God. Yeah. And what Heaven's Fence is, is like, it's a universe that, uh, it's, it's essentially a galaxy. And it's like a big triangle. And the triangle is, is like 12, it's 12 uh, planets long. So, you know, you got 12 on each side. And... Um, you know, they're all bound together. They all have a bridge to go to one another. And, and that bridge is what they call the keyword. And I, th I find this to be like one of the more fascinating things about the universe. One of the things that actually makes it somewhat unique, um, you know, to draw a distinction from mo a lot of the other stuff, you know, you like, obviously, you know, we get it. You're a fan of Star Wars, you know, like um, they don't say exactly but there is like some <laughs> sort of a time. Uh, How close is this galaxy? You know, when when relative in time the, does this story take volumes, place? It does span Sorry, many <laughs> different years, and there is some sort of a timeline that you can draw. I'm sure you could, you know, you could go on the wikis or whatever, and they probably map it out for you. Um, and you know, there is later on in some of their uh, some of their albums, they try to tie a lot of it together. And it is like somewhat effective. Um, you know, they did a series of albums um, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the albums were, but it was, I believe 2016. They had Ascension and Dissension. So there was two, there's a series of two albums that were like part one, part two. And those two were essentially canon um, for, and it was, 
um, basically a prequel yeah. to to this entire universe and th this entire storyline. Um, this takes place much uh, years later. So this is, um, you know, this is telling the story of uh, Coheed and Cambria. This is the name of the main characters. Um, so Coheed's like the father of the story. Cambria is uh, is the wife, and then uh, I'll give you one guess what the what the son's name is. Oh, the yeah, Claudio. Wait, that's that's the name of the the um, actual guy, right? Claudio something. Oh yeah, the lead singer, the guy that wrote this this comic, the storyline. Took me a second. Of... So he the like this entire comic book universe is, and according to him, like you know he wrote the songs as like a soundtrack to a storyline that he hadn't really written into a comic yet. But um, he's the one that writes these comics. Um, oh, yeah. So it's it's kind of a bit of a self-insert character, or, or at least the characters of the band with Coed and Cambria. And um, it's... Yeah. And it's not a particularly good character in the case of Claudio. Like, he's very much... Like a Mary, uh, does the term Mary Sue apply to men? I think there's a male version. I'm, ugh, I'm gonna have to look up what it is. Uh, keep, keep talking. I'll, I'll figure this out. Yeah. So like his character, Gary you know, Sue. I think that's without even Gary, turning a page. It's Gary Sue, right? Gary Sue. That, that looks like what it is. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah. He. So, uh, you know, the story starts out, and it's um, Coheed is having these nightmares of, uh, you know, him just turning into just a hulking beast. And like, you know, there's these people with the government that are implanting, uh, you know, uh, microchips into his skin and stuff like that. And like, um, he's having these like weird nightmares and he wakes up and he sees his son is like drawing the dreams that he's having. Um, and that's kind of how uh, the character of Claudio is like, he's just making all these premonitions on paper as he's yeah, drawing a moment later like um, a few pages later where um claudio's drawing the uh the prize the, the angel the angel alien ladies yeah the prize um into you know how what that is in terms of this universe is um you know there's three main yes. species that make up the universe and it's the mage the man and the prize um the man you know, it's just the same as a man in our world, like, you know, but the mage is essentially, they're the overlords of the key work. So they sit in um, the 12 vectors. Say this in words that so, make sense. <laughs> um, and they're essentially, yeah. Um, yeah, they're essentially these kind of like demon type wizards. Um, and then the prize, their role is to guard the key work. So it's kind of a balance, right? Um, but yeah, they don't really get in in volume one to explain like how exactly the man fits into it. But um, I can get get into that if you'd like me uh, to or not. They do hint at address it that here. a little bit later. Let's go. A little, let's go on to the story a little bit. See what happens with um, Coed and Cambria and their lovely son Claudia, Claudio, and uh, their other three children. What what happens to them? Yeah, so Claudio's having these nightmares, um, and then one day he goes off to work, and uh, this guy shows up, and uh, it's this black guy with, like, um, he's in this dark red robe, and uh, that's uh, Mayo Dettenwolf. He's a uh, essentially a general in the, in the Red Army, which, from my understanding, is, uh, you know, the mage that makes up their uh, sector of the key work or their planet. Um, they are, they're like the government, essentially. Because, um, you know, if you remember, so, the, well, the, the mages are the ones that rule here, over those 12 sectors. In the, in the, this is, so, this yeah, and you find out later on that okay. he is like a lieutenant of Wilhelm Ryan, um, who is this kind of, <laughs> he's, yeah, I don't know how yeah, else to describe much. him. He's the emperor, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> He's just unexplainably and evil, evil and looks grim and evil. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, you know what he tells what he tells uh, Coheed is that he is a uh, he's a member of this like it's essentially an anti-terrorist cell, and you know if you remember the the prize is the their yeah. role is um, to guard the keyword. Yeah, so what he said was that there was this thing called the Great Mage Wars, and you know they as a backup plan they uh, they needed to free up the prize to defend the key, the higher levels of the keywork. So as a ground force, what they did was they implanted him with this virus, the Monstar virus. Um, and, uh, you know, what it does is it's, it's essentially, um, he's supposed to be a ground side defense for the keyword, but what they found out. So he, he has some superpowers and like a mechanical gun arm or something like that. Yeah. Um, which you find, you know, you find that out later on, but they don't really explain it initially. Yes. Um, and then what they say is that, well, you know, it backfired. So, you know, what it's really going to do is it's going to cause the keyword to drift apart. So, you know, we essentially, you know, we, we took uh, one of you and, and the three that made up that cell, they called it, the, they call it KBI. It's the knowledge, the beast and the inferno. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. And you find out that's that, a Coheed Cambria or a Cambria Coheed and, um, uh, Coheed's brother, Jesse. Yeah. Um, which, you, you know, which you find out later on that it's, uh, it's Coheed Cambria and Jesse and, um, you know, essentially, uh, what, uh, so Coheed is the beast. Jesse is the inferno. And they even on the first page of the book, without really introducing who he is, they, um, they do some foreshadowing about Jesse and they call him Inferno on, on like the first page. Um, yeah. I scrolled back like to the beginning to see kind of, uh, remind myself how the story is introduced. It's like, Oh, Oh, that's who that character was supposed to be. Okay. Huh. Could have done a big, big context there. Yeah. It's, it's really, this is one of those, like you have to read it more than one time because it's like, it's really kind of confusing. And in my opinion, at the end, it kind of devolves. <laughs> Like he, he's just, <laughs> he's just doing Star Wars fan fiction at the end, <laughs> but, um, beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have volume two, but I, I hope that it does get a little bit better. I, I'll, I'll read it on comiXology or I'll buy volume two, but, um, you know, so anyways, the, uh, what he tells him is that, one. yeah, what he tells, what, uh, Mayo Deadenwolf tells, uh, Coheed is that his son or his children, all of his children. So he's got two little kids. Um, it's, uh, Maria and Matthew. And then he's got two older kids, Claudio and Josephine. So the youngest ones, um, Maria and Matthew, he tells them that, uh, or actually all of his kids rather. Um, he tells them that, uh, they're going to have like a mutation of this virus. So if he doesn't want the key work to like drift apart, what he, he has to not only kill himself, but he has to kill the kids. And, um, and he's immediately convinced that this is the case and he has to kill his kids to save the world. And it goes yeah, along with this he, plan. He's like, no, I'll never do it. And then he's Two like, okay. Later. <laughs> it really didn't take a lot of convincing. Like he, he's very resistant when, when they tell it to him. But then he goes right home and poisons the two kids and then hits the other one in the head with a hammer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, beginning to question his whole uh, parenting style here. Yeah. Um, you know, and if we can get into, uh, cause I mentioned that, you know, they try to retrofit all the songs into it. There's a scene right before that, where his daughter, Josephine, like gets raped by a bunch of, uh, this gang. Yeah, I want to go into that a little the bit. Jersey City what's, what's the premise? Like why, why were she and her boyfriend in that neighborhood? What, like, what is the premise behind that rape? Why did that gang just want to rape her? It, it seemed like to me, it seems like a caricature caricature of a rape scene. Like you just happen to meet a bad neighborhood and then like all these people are just out to rape someone apparently. And then that happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, like really, like they I don't just show up and rape her and then leave. That was pretty much all it is. Yeah. But, and then her boyfriend and then she dies. So like, there's no time, arc like, oh to it. God. <laughs> um, but I, I was really trying to, like, I thought about that. I was really trying to understand why they did that. And the best that I can think of is like they were just really trying to shoehorn it into the story because it's the name of one of the songs. Um, one of the songs is called uh, Jersey City Devils. But that doesn't say Jersey City Rapist. This is Jersey City Devils. She could just get like her boyfriend could yeah, get beat up or something. Game, I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like they, you can tell like where Claudio sits politically. Like he's got an agenda. It's very clear what his agenda is. And so he feels like he has to fit all these things into the story all the time. Like, um, which, you know, another one example I think is later on in the story, they introduce Mariah, um, yes. who is like essentially this awesome, brave general, like the, so the leader of the resistance, lead right? Resistance. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's leading a resistance against Wilhelm Ryan, who's like um, just a power hungry mage. And uh, really, I heard he, Wilhelm uh, was a nice guy. Sorry, dumb inside joke. Let's go on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's leading this rebellion against Wilhelm Ryan. And uh, they don't really explain it until later on. But, you know, my best understanding is that because of this whole plot with the Monstar virus, it was the reason why they're like, he's got an agenda. And so, um, you know, it. and what happened with the virus was uh, eventually... Coheed comes to his senses and he realizes, oh shit, I killed my kids for no reason. Like, they're actually the antidote. And, uh, you know, they're the ones that are going to remove the virus from me. There's not any other way that I can do it. Wait, so what's the monster virus going to do to him? How does, like, I, I either forgot or missed out on the part, on the explanation of why it's so bad for him to have this virus. Yeah, they, they don't do, really do a very good job of explaining it. Um, good, but, their, make it their fault, yes. Yeah, the, I'm not so a bad the, reader. They're bad no, writers. The, the, the only way that they explain it is that it's going to break up the keyword. So, like, that's what they're trying to avoid. Because what happens when you break up the keyword is that the power-hungry mages, like, there's nobody to keep them in check. And, like, they're just going to go to planets and start raping and pillaging and killing a bunch of people and doing whatever the fuck they want. Um, but there's a balance to the universe. There's 12 of them that sit in the 12 vectors. And they're staring at each other, and the prizes are there to protect against uh, attacks at any. It, you know, the whole thing's a triangle, so like it funnels inward, and so, you know, there's not really any way that they could. They, there's no strategic position to overtake another planet. Okay. You know? Yeah, um, I see what you mean. So, um, yeah, what, what he told him was uh, he finds out eventually that, um, you know, they're the cure to the virus, and that. Uh, he needs to keep the universe stable and he doesn't want the key work to start breaking up and people in the planets to start drifting apart. So he, he realizes that he has to kill his kids. Um, but then he finds out that he needs his kids because actually that whole thing was a lie. Oh my God, the government lied to you. That never happens. <laughs> never, ever. The never. government lied about a virus. Say what? Andrew, I think, I think you're saying some very uh, uh, divisive things right now that could uh, possibly jeopardize our our situation with uh, publishing a pot. No, sorry. Go on. It's a uh, uh, get a lot of dumb stuff, but um, the government lies to us. Let's let's stick with that. Yeah. So essentially, the government lied about statistics for the the monster virus. <laughs> okay. The, um, the mutation, the Sinstar virus. How sinister? Yeah. It it actually a hundred percent of the kids killed does not equal peace. Okay. So, anyways. Um, yeah, he finds out this and the only one that's left is, is, well, Josephine's laying on the ground, her head's beaten in with a hammer. So it's presumed that she's dead, but then you find out she's still well, alive. Isn't she just, and then her boyfriend, isn't she just briefly brought back to life by her brother, like to, to tell him what happened and then she's actually dead afterwards. Yeah. So, um, this is why I said that Claudio's kind of a Mary Sue. Like he shows up and it's like, oh my God, Claudio's got yeah, healing. Yeah, uh, that was a temporary thing though. <laughs> like, wasn't enough to actually bring her back. What was the situation there? Yeah. Um, if if yeah, you might. Okay. I think you got so it. I just right. want to make sure um, she's not going to like magically but, appear in volume two. All hunky dory with hunky dory with a dent in no, the head. No, I mean she's gone. <laughs> but he was able to bring her back to life, and, and like he didn't know that he had powers. And then later on, he turns into a yeah. ghost because um, apparently he just has powers all the or whatever. We can like you know go walk through walls and that fun stuff. Yeah. So, and you know, her boyfriend Patrick is is trying to help her escape, and you know, there, there's this uh, there's this demon that's like chasing them. It's like a monster that's uh, you know cling to the ceiling that's chasing after them and just has like super mutant powers. Um, so they're running away from this and, you know, uh, ultimately Claudio comes and saves them and, um, 
you know, uh, Patrick, I believe Patrick and Josephine get uh, killed. Though. I think so. I forget about Patrick, but yeah, something, yeah, something happens. Claudia is the only one who, you know, ends up mattering in the end. Let's, let's say that or continues the story. Yeah. So it creates a situation where, um, Claudio has to tell his, find his so parents he and tell them that he's away still on a ship, right? Um, so that's essentially where the story yeah, later on in the story, they, they kind of do like a little bit of a time lapse. So um, what happens is um, eventually, well, Mariah, who is, I guess, wife or girlfriend or something of, of Jesse, um, they are working together to uh, go and free Claude, uh, Coheed and Cambria. Um, but ultimately, like they got captured and they were on... Uh, I guess a ship of Wilhelm Ryan. And um, I think they did say that there's, there's a point where time lapses and like they go, there's, there's some time lost in the middle, I think believe between um, whenever the last issue starts at the end. Um, and uh, Claudio all of a sudden is like stowing away on ships and trying to somehow he knows now that his parents are in space and he has to go save them. But there's all these like, you know, star destroyers that are. Uh, yeah, doing so battle Jesse's on like shit, he's so. on a big uh, spaceship that's doing battle, and um, Mariah was on a planet like I think she was leading a rebellion that that uh, a bunch of star destroyers showed up to, um, uh, run by or or uh, under Wilhelm Ryan and kind of shut down the rebellion, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and. Uh, at some point, Claudio breaks out of the thing that they have him contained in because he has these like beast powers. And he, um, at some point towards the end, his beast powers come out and, you know, he's just murdering people left and right. Yeah. Yeah. So he and his wife just have their cool, um, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith kill people thing or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> they, just, they just go through the ship and kill everyone yeah. and save, uh, save the day, get it off its autopilot, and um, voila. Yeah. It, it becomes a little bit nonsensical at the end. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think that there's a lot to the universe that they they just barely touch on. Um, can I get into the keyword a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's talk a little bit, a little bit about the keyword. Because I don't, so it's what holds the planets together or like it's the path between, between, uh, between the planets or something like that? Yeah, so those albums that I mentioned, Ascension and Dissension, they yes. explore kind of the history of, of it a little bit more because that gets into the story of... Uh, Cyrus Amory was, you know, they say at the beginning of volume one that he was actually the guy, the scientist that discovered the key work. Um, so it, like it was there, but it wasn't apparent to them that, you know, that this was how the universe worked. Like they, for a while, I guess they just thought there were just people on a planet, just like you and I. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they find out that what holds the universe together is this like life stream. And it, when you die, you essentially just ascend into space. And uh, or I don't know if it's everybody or certain people. Um, I think it's just some people. But um, you ascend into space and you are like basically your last remaining bit of life. Uh, it's just frozen in time forever, hanging, remembering your last memory. Um, which I think is, is pretty cool. Um, there's a song on that album. I can't remember if it was Ascension or Descension. And the, con the, the premise is he gets into a car accident with his wife in, in, the, in the passenger seat. And they both die. And he's having to live in that moment where he killed his wife. And or, um, actually the last memory of her dying breath, like in the emergency room. Uh, that whole event he's having to live for eternity, which is pretty gnarly. You know, I, I really like that. I'm, I'm, I was just trying to think of some other, um, uh, like purgatory or right, right before, uh, right at the moment of death stories that I was, uh, were, are similar, but I couldn't think of anything that has the exact same premise of that. So I'm gonna have to, um, listen to the album or something because I like that. So I, yeah, I was thinking of stuff like, uh, the anime Gantz or the webtoon about death or some other anime, Death Parade. I think it's what it's called. But there, there, there are a bunch of things that have this, like, little last moment of life purgatory uh, moment. But it's it sounds like um, Cody and Cambria have a, a unique spin on it that uh, I'm interested in. 
Yeah, and this is where coming back and, and rereading volume one, like there's a few things that I gathered that I probably didn't get the first time. Like one was, um, you know, they talk about somewhere towards the beginning, they talk about that um, somebody makes a comment about the about the key work. And, you know, they say something to the extent of like, um, oh, you know, they don't need that much. Like the universe has plenty of power as it is. Like they don't need as many people in that, you know? So like, it's kind oh, of viewed as like a somewhat unethical thing, but it also keeps stability in the universe. Um, hmm. So like, they're, you know, they say that they're getting more power than they actually need, which I'm not sure, you know, I haven't gotten that far in the comics yet to understand like, maybe that's foreshadowing onto something. Um, but yeah, they make it seem that, uh, they it's it all it's questions of like you know when we talk about stuff like oil refineries and fracking and, and stuff like that there's a lot of things that we do that help us sustain the life that we have or even like help um help people stay alive in some cases that are like somewhat unethical um you know but yeah it makes you kind of question it Okay, I see, see what you mean. Yeah, I'm... In this case, you know, it's literally the fabric that's keeping their galaxy together. And, and the, you know, the thing that keeps it, that keeps it stable. Yeah, I'm thinking of something like uh, the, the video game Tales of Symphonia, where um, they effectively have chosen one sacrifices to uh, restore energy to the world. There's a, there's a big, like, ritual sort of thing, but they steal energy from their sister world. There's some stuff like that where there's huge ethics about keeping their worlds alive, and that's kind of what I'm paralleling through this, too, but I'd have to read more of uh, the comic books the album to uh, get a better idea of that in, a, in, this, in the Amory Wars uh, situation. Doesn't Final Fantasy VII say something about that, like with the uh, with the Mako energy or something? Probably. It's been I years since played I played Final that game. Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually played it. I think it was um, like, it's like the universe's life force. So yeah. yeah, they can harvest it, but like you're killing the universe by doing it. Like, so you don't want to like go overboard. Like, it's there for you to take, but don't like take it overboard. That's kind of how the keyword I mean, works. Okay. Cool. So, so we have this this grand cosmological scheme uh, in the world of the Amory Wars, and this this Lincoln with a soundtrack of uh, a whole catalog of musical albums, albums, self insert characters, etc., etc. But how does it weigh up as a comic? How how is the how is it to read? How I mean, we we've had enough commentary so far, but you know, as an overview, how do you rate it as a comic? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's like I said, like when you go back and you understand more about the story, you're like, okay, you know, that makes that makes sense. It's kind of like rewatching the first Star Wars movie after you've seen the whole, uh, the entire canon, you know. So like, His it gets father? points for that. What? Sorry, it's gone. <laughs> it, it gets it gets points for being, you know, for doing all this retcon and like making it work. But like generally, like I said, it just kind of devolves at the end. It's not like there's really not much there. <laughs> Like it's it kind of sucks in a lot of ways. Okay, and and would you recommend it to anyone who's a fan of Coheed and Cambria or not? I would definitely recommend it to fans of Coheed and Cambria, especially if they like comics. Um, fence sitters or fence what what was it? Fence worshippers. Yeah, mostly they just collect. children of the fence. Children they just of the collect. Fence, that was it. Uh, children of the fence. Yeah. Yes. Mostly they just collect these things, and I don't think they ever fucking read them. Um, but they. Uh, yeah, if you go to the shows, like their concerts, they'll sell signed copies of them. So I have a whole bunch of the signed ones, but um, this one in particular is not signed. It, um, they, it kind of works. There's some, there's some elements here that are exciting. And like, you know, how many comics have you read that just like didn't live up to expectations or just okay, but they're still worth reading, <laughs> you know? Okay, that's, um, yeah, I, I can understand that. I, I will say I'll go into my, my comments a little bit. And I'll say, I don't think it was very good. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, you know, gone into the album or the whole, you know, music of Cody and Cambria much at all, uh, clearly. And I have not gone back and reread the, the volume or gone forward and read, read more, put more things in context. But um, yeah, like we said, it jumps around quite a bit. Uh, 
a lot of it feels a lot of the story feels retconned. A lot of the universe uh, is a bit nonsensical or, or devolves to you know just action at the end of the first volume. And um, I'm not really a fan of the art either. I think it's a, a, a it looks like it gets better after the first volume considerably, but the first volume um, not great art. The just not the the stylization is not very expressive uh, has a lot of the the airbrushed color backgrounds which uh, tends to look very cheap kind of the the uh michelle janine style um sort of thing and um yeah just the, the art does not uh, it's you know it, it doesn't detract from being able to read it but it's uh, i don't think it's very good so you're gonna love this is you know th this image comics you know the comic that we're reading this was not actually the first version of this like they had another version oh, no. of it, which was just Claudio's version that he drew himself, um, which yes. there's there's not much. Um, some of the art is like kind of cool and like um, spooky, um, but there's even less of a semblance of a story than there is here. <laughs> and it's just it's just kind of a mess. Like it, it's it's kind of like, you know, it's got artistic value in the way that the songs do like. There's, you know, you can listen to it a bunch of times and like hear something and like maybe form those words into something that kind of makes sense. But for the most part, it's just alphabet soup. <laughs> like, you okay. know, that's kind of how the comics were, the first versions of them that, that he sold before they came out with this version, um, <laughs> which, you know, they've put a lot of the pieces together more. And, you know, he's had other people to help him. If you notice, there's three people listed on here. One of them's uh, one of them's the artist. And then I think he had somebody who co-wrote it with him. Um, um, I don't know. The Wikipedia page just has him as the uh, the author, and then um, the multiple artists uh, for different issues. Okay, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, he had he had a different artist for chapters one and two, and then three, four, and five. That's what it was. Um, but I don't know. Maybe the artists helped him put the story together a little bit more. They, they like, did, might have. Um, yeah, I he he really. Like he's a guy that likes to draw comics, but maybe he's like not a good comic writer. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I added for you a little bit more because uh, this is, uh, from what I understand, is this his first foray into comics? It looks like he has a bit more of a, uh, a bit more of a bibliography behind him. But do you, do you know if this is his first, um, first thing he wrote? You know, like I was saying before, oh, like a lot of this stuff is just retconned onto the album, so like, um, it it's their first album and they're just kind of doing stuff, you know, and, and they're trying to fit the trends of the time. So if you listen to that album, it's very, it's kind of poppy. It's like, um, you know, maybe my chemical romance or something like that. It's, it's like, it's different from their other albums, which are a little bit heavier. They're later. Um, like I think their best album was their second album um, or their third, um, which, yeah, it'll be interesting to get into those comics because, uh, you know, their, their best selling album was their third album. And the interesting thing about that was um, the entire premise of the album. And, and this is pretty gnarly. It's like the guy's bicycle tells him to kill his wife. What is it with killing family members and like the, the random? So, so the government tells you to kill your children. Uh, okay, sure. I guess a bicycle tells you to kill your wife. The Fuck off, bicycle. Claudio, Claudio's got some problems. Like he, he, when he was younger, he was like an angsty teenager, and he was writing these like storylines that were very demented. And everyone was an was angsty teenager. Like, uh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was gonna say that that was what made them good. And, and you know, their third album, like I said, is the best album. And is it the uh, Good Apollo on Burning Star Four Volume One. Yes. Okay. Um, and you know that ends with him killing his wife, who is actually um, based off of a real person um, as you know, as his real life girlfriend in volume one was, if you remember, Claudio had a girl girlfriend in the story called Nuo Iken, which yeah. I'm pretty sure is just based off of his real life girlfriend. Who's Nikki Owen. Huh? Okay. Um, wait, was there a breakup because he has a different wife than that? Yeah. So th that's what I was getting into is, is his wife now is, Sh is Chandra. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that's who Good Apollo and Burning Star Four is about. Him killing okay. Chandra. Uh, cool. Um, Chandra, if you're out there listening, sleep with one eye open tonight. If not, every night for the last uh, wait, how many years was that? Best um, I can understand was 16, 16 years. 
Yeah, they got into some type of <laughs> argument or he got cucked or something and uh, they broke up and uh, he Nikki, was so mad um, about it. Girl or Chandra? Chandra. Oh, shit. Okay. Nuo Ikin never makes another appearance in the story and, or the albums. Cool. <laughs> um, and then it's it's about Chandra later on, but there's a character that parallels Chandra and, uh, um, you know, he makes a whole album about murdering her because he's so upset about, you know, him getting broken up with or, or cucked or whatever. I've heard a lot of different theories about that. And then later on, he does an album that's non-canon for his wife and child that they have later on down the road. And it's a trash album. Like, it's an okay because pop Because they don't album. die in it? Or, like, do, do they die in the album? Let's, let's start out with that. Um, they... I believe so i haven't gotten that far in the story um no th- that's where the albums really fall off like if you're if you're interested in coheed and cambria listen to their first three albums and then stop maybe the fourth like don't okay. so they're uh they had another album that came out recently that was okay and then obviously the Maxis, ones that i mentioned act one yeah, they had Ascension and Dissension, which were both pretty good, and they add to the the whole canon pretty well. Um, but they had this album, and it was called Color Before the Sun. And even yes. like a lot of Coheed and Cambria fans fucking hate Color Before the Sun because it's it's just a garbage album. They, they for some reason, decided that they were going to do one album out of their entire catalog that was non-canon, and they were going to do it in an entirely different musical style than all the other albums. Which I mean, is like, I, I, I get uh, it. Artists want to experiment and they want to try new things and kind of see if it works. And that's how good music gets made, right? But this particular album, like, what were they thinking? Let me let me read this review by uh, Jordan Bloom of uh, Pop Matters. Uh, the, the, it's a good album in its own right, and the fans will find things to enjoy about the album. Adding, it may sound silly to fault an album for not doing what it was never meant to do, but the lack of an epic scope and a more seamless sequence surely makes the color before the sun feel less significant and magnificent than many of its predecessors um clearly andrew i think your your problems with this album lie uh rather not in the the uh, shifts in musical tone and genre and uh but rather in the the shift from from canon from the expected uh amory wars universe that cody and cambria have le- cambria have led uh led, have laid out before you and in uh in, in cap in captured and raptured whatever your your imagination your your wildest dreams and wonders and you were just disappointed that they they had a uh, you know d- departure from form yeah so like it. if you were to narrow what's what are coheed and cambria fans about right they're about collecting these comic books right they're about they like heavy music that's why their most popular albums or their heaviest albums like uh good apollo i'm burning star four and um uh, in keeping a silent, in keeping secret of Silent Earth three, which was their second album and probably their best, um, you know that's the type of music that they like. It's 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 kind of new metal. It's like uh, real heavy. Um, you know, it's not pop music at all. <laughs> and so, why they thought that the right thing to do was to one deviate from the comics, which is like one of the strongest characteristics of. Coheed and Cambria fans is collecting these comics. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, liking of the type of new metal or, or metal that's in, the, uh, you know, those two albums in particular, you know, it's just really heavy, like anthems. It's, it's a very particular style and that's always been their most popular style. And every time that they've tried to deviate from that, like those have been their least popular albums. So like, it's, how do they not understand this? <laughs> I mean, it could have just been something they wanted to do, and that that's why they could bring out of can, the the canon. Which is the, fine. The what they should well. have really done is because they had another band before Coheed and Cambria that was called Shibuti, oh. and they even they reference it in Volume One. They there's the kids when they're sitting in the car, um, they say Shibuti. Okay. Which doesn't really mean anything in particular. They're just saying kid words. Um, but <laughs> the uh, yeah, Shibuti did Shibuti. more of that type of music. So why did why they could have they could have launched it under Shibuti or they could have just made a new project name with all the same members, but it yeah, does not like fit. a Broken Bells in the Shins or like what, those bands that have you know crossover members. 
do something like that if you want to release different types of albums. There's been other bands too. I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of any bands that have just the entire set of members just release another album under a different name. I'm sure it's happened, but I'm I'm blank. I'm just thinking of like individual people crossover, like like the the uh, Angels and Airwaves and Blink 182. It's stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I th- I'm thinking of Heaven and Hell, but that doesn't really count because they did that for legal reasons and Ronnie James Dio or whatever. But um, <laughs> you know they. Uh, they could have just launched it under a different name. Like it didn't make sense to make it a Coheed and Cambria uh, album. You know, obviously Coheed and Cambria are the name of the characters in the story. Like you can't just deviate from that and expect it. Like it's not part of the canon at all. Yeah. Just, just like we could have launched this podcast under a different name because it's a, a very different product, not having Justin here, but, but unfortunately uh, this is just out of canon with the original comics. Sorry. Just <laughs> we're, we're like a band, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's kind of why I, I wanted to talk about this comic. Cause like, I've got, I've got things to say about the band and about this comic and the series in particular, um, you know, that uh, I may not have to say about some, uh, some other comics. Like I, I enjoy most of the things that I read. I don't particularly enjoy this. I, I like it. I appreciate it a little bit more after second reading, but you're right though. I, I think this is, I blame this comic for like kind of, uh, me not really being interested in in the genre or the format of comics for years because like you know I, I read this thing and it was uh, it's just not very compelling like it doesn't draw you in at all. Um, whereas like when I read Lock and Key, it's like you know I read the first one and I immediately started reading the second one. Like it, it's just it's a very exciting storyline and it's it keeps you going. Yeah, that was that was me earlier this evening. I got a. Um... Uh, I finally picked up the rest of the issues to uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight by uh, Sean Gordon Murphy and Matt Hollingsworth. And um, I uh, just laid laid aside some time this evening and was literally just setting one issue down, picking the next one up. And uh, it was great. Awesome. Are you familiar at all with the... um... Okay, sorry. So any final closing thoughts on the Amory Wars uh, second stage turbine blade? (laughs) I cannot... those those words don't go together in my head. Sorry. Any any closing thoughts? Any final remarks on this particular comic book? It wasn't so bad that like I'm I'm like upset about it, and I will probably like I'm compelled enough to start reading the second one, and I'm hoping that it gets better. Um, and I do have physical copies of I think three, four, and five, but two I'll have to find on Comicsology. Um, I think it's on Unlimited, so it's uh, no big deal. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's it's uh, you know, it's better the second time, but it's it's very disappointing. It's it's a garbage. It's a garbage <laughs> comic. That's probably sold uh, a lot more copies than much better comics. I'm I'm going to uh, borrow some words from uh, from your review. Uh, let's start out with the it wasn't so bad, and then end with it's a garbage garbage comic. There there, that's my review. <laughs> oh yeah, I had to. I can't. I had to start with it wasn't so bad because my my thought going into this whole thing was, uh, you know, that it was bad. <laughs> and it obviously kept me out of the genre for years. And, and you know, like I said, the second time makes it better. So it, it's not it wasn't like a complete waste of time for me. Um, you know, and I read it again just so that I was sure about some of the stuff in the plot. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's not good. <laughs> OK. And speaking of bad comics. What do you want to talk about next episode? I have a couple ideas, but I was wondering if you had anything. You brought up some of the, the MAGAverse stuff. I was wondering if you wanted to go straight for one of those, but I have another couple ideas as well. So I have those Jeff Johns comics that I still have to read. Um, the Green Lantern yeah, I have. Green Lantern, um, yeah. yeah, let me grab it real quick. Sorry, I want to make sure that I got the name right. It's it's a, it's a Jeff Johns run of uh, Green Lantern. It's how Jordan returns. Um, I okay. think that would be cool. Um I, I don't think I've read that one actually, so I'd uh, I'd be down. I'm a fan of Jeff Johns Green Lantern stuff. Yeah, and I I like his writing style of what I've read so far, and like I'm trying to kind of figure out who my favorite authors are. So like I'm like I'm gonna give this one a shot. I bought I bought this on sale uh, during uh, Black Friday, so yeah, this seems like seems like a good one to read. Um, we talked about reading New Warriors, but I'm not sure when that's gonna come out. Yeah, so that's we had started. Getting on the topic of recording with Marvel New Warriors, the the new New Warriors, they ha- they're introducing a handful of new characters, uh, with a highlight, a focus on Snowflake and Safe Space. These I think blue and pink 
non-binary character, whatever. It's it's the the hardest, the most intense pandering you could ever imagine. Uh, and they describe part of the description says post-ironic world. Uh, so that should give you an idea of what the mentality behind this is. So we're going to talk about that at some point, but I don't know if that's going to be released. Uh, it's supposed to be released, I think, three weeks ago. I don't know if it's going to be released um, in two weeks when Marvel has comics in stores again. Uh, probably not. I heard Marvel was going to start out with a limited run coming back. Uh, I think you said you saw his delay till June sometime, right? Yeah. Um, another thing that I brought up, uh, I, actually, I brought this up to Justin before the cabin was, uh, you know, if, if we if we could do like a like a um, if we could convince Justin to do it, get a, do like a three way episode where we read Hellraiser. Which one's Hellraiser? Uh, there's there's two different Hell, Hellraiser comics, but we could find which one you know would be better to review. Um, actually, there might be. I'll have to look at Comicsology, but I think there there might be uh, two or three different ones. Oh, it's a Clive Barker. Okay, awesome. I'll, I'll be down to check that out. Um, they they have Hellraiser Omnibus, whatever. They have some some Omnibus on a uh, uh, Comicsology Unlimited. Um, oh, I, just remind me, I'd be interested in that. Um, we can get just any, any of Justin's essential time. Uh, so, so in case any of you are wondering where Justin is, he's too busy being essential right now. Um, he's saving the world. I, excuse me. Thank you for your service, Justin. Um, uh, hashtag two He's using my parking space at Lowe's. Oh God, he's the the, the veteran of the, the the coronavirus war because we're we're at war right now at uh, Wordna. Um, okay, so. Uh, I was also going to say, speaking of some some bad SJW comics, uh, I would be interested in some point at reviewing um, "Eat and Love Yourself" by Sweeney Boo. Uh, so this is some lady I follow on Instagram, I really like her art actually, but she came out with a comic recently called "Eat and Love Yourself," which is a uh, it's about like body positivity, mental health stuff, um, or whatever. I don't know, but it looks funny. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll check that one out. <laughs> uh, okay, and. Catch you next, I don't know if we'll do this on a weekly basis, but catch you next time. This has been Comics Pop. Thank you for joining me, Andrew. Thank you all for listening. And have a good night.